Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. It is a Saturday morning on Wichita's Big Talker KQM. Hey, good morning to you. Welcome in to another episode of Kansas Talk. I am Andy Hoosier right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 KQAM. Great to have you along today trying to get you up and moving. The final week before Labor Day weekend, can you imagine? We're already at the end of summertime. I have to admit that is a little bit of a mind-blowing thought to me because it's flown on by way too fast. Way too fast. I am not ready for the fall yet. The trifecta of the holidays right around the corner. We have Labor Day, and then we have the early fall, which means it's high school football season, which means it's state fair season, which means it's almost Halloween season, and then it just goes downhill from there as we wrap up the year. Welcome into the show, 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. We have a lot to get to today, lots to talk about. Hour number two, we're going to have State Representative Leo Delperdang come on the program with us. Always great to chat with him as we kick off election coverage for general election he'll be our first state representative here in the general that we'll have on the program but get set over the next few weeks we're going to be having loads of candidates that's about all we're going to be focusing on so strap in buckle in get ready to go and let's have some fun with it uh next week just a little programming word for you on labor day weekend i will not be here it will be a best of program for you so as uh, actually mrs voice of reason and i will be taking off a couple of days uh, next week uh, going in uh, to Labor Day weekend because it is not only Labor Day weekend, but it is also our 10-year wedding anniversary. Can you believe that? Holy cow. Again, flies right on by and don't realize how quickly time goes until it's actually there. So we'll be celebrating our 10th anniversary and taking some days off. So for the Voice of Reason program during the week uh, for a couple of days, along with our Saturday program uh, with Candace Talk, we will be off and back at it again uh, following the post-Labor Day. So, lots to get to today because we got to cram two weeks' worth of content into this one here. So, get ready for it. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. All of it here on Candace Talk, presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. Make sure to check them out online at philscoins.com. They're also set to open here in about 20 minutes at 9344 West Central Avenue. For all your gold and silver needs, We were going to have Phil Martinez on the program today. We'll get him on either if not for our recorded program next week. We'll get him on the week afterwards after Labor Day. We'll see what the schedule looks like, but we will get him back on again soon to chat. Also, I am excited because I am set to announce starting next week, we have a new sponsor on the program as well, a new partner here in the Wichita area, and more details to come for that one. So as we ever expand and grow, we're excited to have more individuals partner up with us here on the program. Lots to get to today. It is Open Lines to you uh, here for a little bit. There's a lot of things I want to try and cover in the program today. We have some drama in the Cedric County Commission. Say what? So we'll talk about Lacey Cruz. Is she done? I have a feeling that she is done. Finito. Over. And we'll talk about that here in just a minute after some of the news that broke this week. Not the first time she's gotten in trouble. She has a lot of baggage for whatever reason. She's got a lot of drama in her life. She's got a lot of baggage. And it shows every time that she's out in uh, public 
by herself, not at the county commission meetings, but just out in her personal life. She's got a lot of things to work through. So we'll talk about that here in just a minute. Also, now this week after the student loan forgiveness program from the federal government and the Biden administration, the Kansas Democrats are working on doing a similar thing here for a college affordability plan here in the state of Kansas. We'll talk about that here in just a minute as well, and uh, we'll tease that as well with Leo Delperding when he comes into the program from District Number 94. What the heck are Democrats trying to do with a college affordability plan? They already knocked off ten grand off of your student loans at the federal level if you have a federal student loan and you make under $125,000. So I don't know what else we need to do. I mean, why not just subsidize more of it for the taxpayers? If you don't have any student loans or if you paid off your student loans, congratulations, you now have higher taxes and an inflation rate that's going to be paying off other people's student loans. We'll get into that here in just a second as well. i got to tell you a story, though, that happened last night. I'm a little traumatized, like very traumatized. I about had a heart attack. I had an anxiety attack yesterday. Legitimately, it was very scary. So I got home last night from the radio station, was eating dinner, we have our garden in the backyard, in the gun, in the front yard a little bit with our flowers in our garden and everything. Mrs. Voice of Reason, Little Voice of Reason, they haven't been feeling well, but under the weather, been feeling kind of sick with some cold or sneezing or coughing, whatever is going on and going around at this time. Probably COVID, which means, you know, they'll probably be just fine. Ah, see what it did there? See what it did there? <laughs> Sorry. All right. Anyways, uh, who knows? They may have COVID. I don't really know. But they haven't been feeling well. So while I was eating dinner, I turned on our sprinkler outside. Because why not? It's been hot. We haven't got a whole lot of precipitation. Need to water the garden and water the grass just a little bit. So I kind of, you know, just killed two birds with one stone. Turn on the sprinkler. Make sure the sprinkler covers the garden all as well. And then about every, I don't know, 10 to 15 minutes, I go out and move it to another location. Well, last night I was doing that. I bounced things around to about the three or four different locations I need to in the front and backyard to cover both the garden and the lawn. Well, it was about the time where I needed to turn it off in the spigots on the front part of the house. It was getting dark, right about dusk, sunset-ish, just past it, so it was getting kind of dark outside. I walk outside to go and turn off the spigot. I step off of our front porch, and right in front of our front porch is where we have uh, kind of a built-in little garden area. It's a, We have some bricks and some blocks built up a little bit, and then inside of it is kind of the garden. Well, I step next to that to go into the grass of the front yard, barefoot, mind you, and there behold... Not two inches away from my foot, as I see it begin to move, is a snake. Now, now, for those that don't know me, I've lived in Colorado, I've lived in Ohio, I lived here in Kansas. There are very few animals that bother me. I lo- growing up in the mountains of Colorado, I've been around bears, I've been around mountain lions. They don't bother me. I'm just fine around them. You make some noise. You don't make the eye contact. You scare them. You show that you're bigger than what you are. You know, you try and make that presence. And they run away, and they're fine. As long as you don't tread into, like, you know, the cave where the mama bear's cubs are, you're just fine with bears. Mountain lions probably aren't going to attack you unless they're out trying to hunt you, as kids go missing every once in a while. But, you know, outside of that, they're just fine. Snakes are my number one phobia I have ever experienced in my entire life. Snakes are the only thing that I am absolutely petrified of. The only thing. I don't care about spiders. I don't care about mice or rats. I don't care about what I, I don't care about that stuff. Snakes, I am absolutely deathly petrified of. 
I step off the front porch last night. I walk into the grass in the front yard, and there, right along the little brick building, the little brick wall thing that we built up for our garden, is just spread out right alongside of it, not two inches from my bare foot, is a snake. I don't know how long it was. It was getting dark, so I couldn't get the proper color. I know it was probably a brown or a blackish with little bitty, like, yellow or white stripes on it. I It didn't move a whole lot. It just kind of, like, moved around tightly. I couldn't even scream because if I could have screamed, I would have screamed like a 12-year-old little girl. I, I couldn't scream. I inhaled, about had a heart attack, and took running off down through the yard not knowing where the thing could have gone off to or where it was, I was scared to death to even get close to the water spigot. And I finally got up the courage to get to the water spigot. And then I hopped across some big rocks back onto the top of the deck and then ran inside. And I was shaking because I've never been so close to a damn snake without being like in a zoo with a bulletproof glass window or glass in between us. And the fact that I was barefoot and it was right there. I don't know whether it's poisonous. I don't know if it's not poisonous. I don't know anything about them. I don't know anything about snakes other than they are the most evil creatures on the face of the earth, and it about killed me last night, and I had a damn heart attack. So that's my story from last night, and I'm still trying to come down. Got to be honest. Here's the thing. We sprayed for, like, the snake repellent spray around the house a few weeks ago, but we've been watering so much it's probably gone now, so we probably have to do that again. I, I, uh, I don't know, man. I need help. I need tips. How do you keep snakes away from the house? How do you make sure this does not happen? I like walking out in my backyard and front yard barefoot because the grass feels really nice, and I should have the right and ability to walk outside barefoot without a damn snake right there. I'm just saying. That's my petrified story of the day. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. I know some people are probably shaking their heads like, Andy, come on, man. You need to grow up a little bit and actually be a man about this. No, no. I will be a manly man and the testosterone-building alpha male on any other topic. Uh, Prime example. When my wife and I got married, we're getting ready for our 10-year anniversary. When we got married, we got married in Las Vegas. We went for the weekend. We got married. Didn't have a whole lot of money. We did an entire two- to three-day Vegas trip with a $1,000 budget. Just put that into perspective for you for a second. Uh, we did this trip. We went to a psychic while we were at the uh, while we were in Vegas, and we went to go see a show. The uh, hotel that we were at, the Stratosphere, they gave us free tickets. We went to go see the show. Mark Sarvard, Sarvard was his name. I think he's still there. He's a great magician, but he's a hypnotist. Well, we ended up going on stage and getting hypnotized the night before our wedding. On, sh- on the show, and it was fantastic. It was a lot of fun. You know, you get hypnotized. They make you do silly things. They videotape it. It's a great time, whatever. Well, one of the scenes that he did while we were hypnotized was he took off his belt, coiled it up in his hand, and gathered everybody around, and then started making hissing sounds as if it were a snake. Now, logically, we know that it's a belt, that it's not a snake. However, the hypnotized mindset of me said, that's a damn snake. I don't care that I'm supposed to be the man protecting my soon-to-be wife that was getting married tomorrow. I threw her in front of me, jumped over the chairs that were on stage, and ran off the side of the stage because I was terrified of it potentially being a snake. Not a good precedent for my wife who said, wow, you're supposed to protect me. Thanks, honey, for throwing me in front of the danger as you run off stage. I don't care. I will defend you against bears. I will defend you against mountain lions. I will defend you against the zombie apocalypse. But do not... Expect me to defend you against snakes. It's just the way of the world. 
So last night I had my first encounter of that real live snake that was right next to me. And it did not come after me, thank God, because then I would have been, um, you know, 20 miles away in an instant. And uh, But I don't know, man. I was, I'm still trying to come down from that one. Whew. Damn snakes, I'm telling you. I'd, if we could do without snakes, I'd be so happy. 316-728-255. right, we got a lot to talk about today. We have some election coverage. We have some uh, some student loan debt forgiveness in the nationwide level and here in Kansas. Also, we'll get to the Cedric County issue as well. We have some phone calls online, so let's go to that right now. Line number one, good morning. Who's this? Well, who do you think it is? <laughs> Just take a <laughs> What's going on, Sean? Don't make fun of me and my snake paranoia, all right? Hey, man, if there are two creatures on this planet that I loathe, I mean, hate with the fire of a, the heat of a thousand burning suns, just damn spiders and snakes, man. Oh. I'm telling you, yeah, well, sp- spiders don't bother me. You know, I'll be the knight in shining armor when the wife says, oh, my gosh, there's a spider and she's freaking out. That doesn't bother me, but it's it's the snakes. I can't do them. Just can't do them. Can you imagine sitting on the toilet and feeling some fangs dig into your uh, cheek? Well, I've heard the theories and I've heard the the fear of the fact that they can come up the water pipes like that. So that is a lingering phobia of mine. You always want to double check before you actually go into the restroom and do your thing. But, uh, yeah, I don't know how frequent that is, but I'm not going to take the chance. And I have told my wife that we better damn make sure that our house insurance is up to par. Because if I do find a snake in the house, in the basement somewhere or wherever, then the house is getting burnt down without question. So we better have good insurance. You know, I probably shouldn't have cracked that. Trying to joke, trying to be funny. Because now I'm putting in the bowl every time I sit down. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It's you never know. You never know. It is the uh, it is the uh, the most evil creature on the face of the earth, and I am terrified of it. Yeah, you know, I used to live on a farm. I lived on a farm for a while when I was a kid out in western Kansas, and uh, never I never encountered a snake out there. And uh, probably, I think, the two most common snakes you're going to encounter in Kansas are uh, rattlers and uh, copperheads. So, well, don't tell me that because, yeah, I, I just I, I can't do that again. Now, I think I swear that I think in a past life I died by by a snake bite because of how much of a phobia that I have of these things. So I don't know. I grew up on a farm in Ohio and we didn't have too many of those. It was more just like the garter snakes. But I don't care. I don't care. That's why you cannot walk outside without having your scattered 12 gauge shotgun. So that way you make sure you don't miss it. And that way you are protected at all times. That's for sure. Okay, so what are we talking about? Are we talking about the uh, this uh, this gal on the was it county commission what? or are we? I tell you what, go you for know? it. We we got about a, a couple minutes here before we have to take a break. But yeah, I'm going to break down the story of Lacey Cruz and what happened with the Sedgwick County Commission. Uh, but I'm sure you've heard the news. Do you think she's done? Do you think she's out in November? I didn't hear the news, so I guess I'll just we have to wait. The news. All right. Well, then you know what? I tell you what, Sean. Yeah, you're going to have to listen. Yeah, go for it. Let's cover uh, student loan debt. Student loan debt. Uh, what do you think? You think you need to subsidize my student loan? No. No. no why I not, don't. man? Come on. Well, why don't you subsidize my brand new truck? <laughs> uh-huh. you <laughs> I mean, because I am bettering myself through education that I don't want to pay back. Yeah, well, I'm bettering myself by having a better-looking truck, see? <laughs> see? So there it is. <laughs> I, I don't yeah. understand the yeah. difference here, Sean. Like, no, I don't need to pay for your truck. You got to pay for your own damn truck. But I'm trying to better myself with education, and you just need to pay for my student loan. 
Yeah, right. What yeah. the hell is next? And are, are, is the government going to pay off everybody's credit card debt that's got it? Well, eventually that's what they want to. Look, this is the testing ground. This is the trickling of the breadcrumbs to where if they just pay off all your debt, then you're due, then you owe the federal government. So therefore, when you work, you no longer need a paycheck anymore. We're just going to take your entire paycheck because you are now a worker of the state. And therefore, we can have this nice little centralized utopian government that just takes your paycheck that doesn't have a private sector. And we'll just take care of your debts and give you the food and resources you need. What the hell? Why not just print? Uh, a trillion dollars or whatever however much the entire debt is i think it's 1.6 now why not just print 1.6 trillion dollars why don't the government just do that and then pay itself save us money wouldn't it yeah well there's that well here's the thing it's actually the the debt from the federal government's actually higher than that. it's roughly about three to four trillion i believe right now uh well so it's oh, on the man. way up. But you're right. I mean, we can just write it, write ourselves a check. Yeah, we don't have to worry about it. We'll just print some money, write ourselves a check, inject it into the system, and then we can all just work for the government because we don't need a paycheck. They'll provide it for us if we just give them our revenue when we actually make it. Well, I tell you what, man, it's really nothing more than a scheme to buy votes. That's that's what it is. Of course, we're going to pay like pay dearly for it, but it's a scheme to try and, try and buy votes, to try and keep the uh, – House and Senate this November, and I'm worried about the Senate, man. So, ah, uh, don't be worried. I am optimist. I, the eternal optimist, is here, and I think that we're going to be just fine both in the House and in the Senate. Sean, I got to take a break here, but I appreciate it. Stick around, and uh, next hour when we talk about the student loan program here in the state. You're welcome to call back and chime in on that one as well as Kansas Democrats are working on trying to create a plan as well. After the federal government has announced student loan relief, they want to do something with the college affordability plan. Here in the state, what does that actually entail? We'll get to that here in a little bit. When we come back, though, right around the corner, we'll start talking about Cedric County. We'll bring it down to the home front here. What the heck, Lacey Cruz? Our Cedric County commissioner, you're done. Over. Finito. Ryan Beatty. We've had him on the show. We'll have him on the show again soon. He's going to be jumping up. I see a landslide victory for him in that election, which is a good thing. We'll talk about that when we come back here on Kansas Talk. It's Saturday morning. Stay right here. into the program here 27 minutes past the hour on a saturday morning 316-721-8255 316-721-talk happy saturday getting you up and going we are a week away from labe holy cow can you believe it unbelievable by the way just a few little words of programming here for kqam we are getting set next week next friday High school football season kicks off across the state of Kansas and here in South Central Kansas, and we'll be having your game of the week here on KQAM. Program starts at 6 p.m. for pregame, kickoff at 7 o'clock every Friday throughout high school football season. Also right afterwards at 10 p.m. is the statewide scoreboard show where we'll recap all your high school football scores as well. So we've got a lot of stuff going on here starting in the next few weeks, so get ready for it. Also, we are still working on the details. We don't have any details yet. However, you've heard the teasing of Todd Starnes on his program, which you can always hear on the station as well between 2 to 4 on weekdays, Monday through Friday. 
He is working on his book tour for this fall with his new book being released. We are working on some details to get him here to the Wichita area. We do not have a date. We do not have any times yet or any details scheduled, but we are working on some stuff. We're going to try and use that as well to kind of piggyback on a uh, some type of election rally. Hoorah, bring in some of the candidates across the state to come and speak and try and make a, an event out of it. So Project in the Works, make sure to hang out and get set for that. We'll have some more information on that as it gets a little bit closer. All right, when we come back, bottom of the hour news right around the corner. When we come back, we'll talk about Lacey Cruz, Cedric County Commission. What's the drama there and what's that going to do for election season going into the next uh, two months before the November midterm election? Lots to get to. Plus, I want to get your phone calls right around the corner here on Wichita's Big Talker, KQM. It's Kansas Talk. Stay here. Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. 35 minutes past the hour here on a beautiful Saturday morning. It's not hot. It's not at least triple digit hot. I can deal with this. Holy cow, it's been a brutal summer. I know many of you have been struggling with that, but now we're on the downtrend, at least hopefully. I know it's going to get warm again for a while, but let's not hit triple digits again, please. Let's just go to the 70, 80 degrees. I'm okay with that. Welcome in 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the show, we'd love to hear from you. Let's jump right into our latest. We have a lot to talk about today, student loan forgiveness. If you want to talk about the Mar-a-Lago raid and the latest news on that one, that's still that's starting to turn in like the January 6th thing. It's getting a little silly. It's getting a little ridiculous. They're just throwing crap out there just for the sake of it. Hey, we released the redacted affidavit. It's great. And... 80% of it was blacked out to where we can't see what's really going on. So thank you. Appreciate that. Glad you're being so open and transparent, federal government. On the local front here, let's bring it in. I have to admit, here's my claim and here's my prediction for the general election of 2022 in the Cedric County race. Ryan Beatty, congratulations, brother. You've won the, ele- <laughs> the election for Cedric County Commission. At least I hope so. He's a great guy. We've had him on the show. We're going to have him back on the show again real soon. And he is going to be a solid conservative Republican on that Cedric County Commission, which we desperately need. We've kind of gone to the flaky side a little bit on our county commission. I, When I first moved to the Wichita area here and I started having on county commissioners, I mean, we had a rock solid commission. We had Jim Howell. We had uh, uh, we had uh, Carl Peterjohn when he was on the county commission. We had Richard Ranza. We had some really great stand-up individuals on there. So, and then things started to swing the other way a little bit. We got Lacey Cruz that ended up being Richard Ranzoff. We had Michael O'Donnell that was decent for a while, but obviously with some of the personal issues that he had uh, kind of tainted the Cedric County Commission for a little bit. But now we're on the uptrend again. I think people realized, hey, we gave it a shot. We tried it, and it's not fully working out. So the latest, our local AOC, our local Kansas... South Central Kansas, Sedgwick County, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, that is Lacey Cruz, the wild radical left-wing socialist, the wild radical left-wing uh, politician in our area trying to bring progressive values into the community. She doesn't seem very, uh, let's say, professional, inclusive. 
Doesn't seem like she's got the best. She seems like she has a lot of personal demons to work out, which I feel bad for that on a personal level. I hope all the best for her because you need to work some of that stuff out. But she has now been banned. Get this. Within her district, she has been banned from the XY bar in the city of Wichita. For those that don't know, it is the gay bar in town. Don't really care. Not a big deal. Why? Uh, If that's your flavor, all the power to you. But she has been banned as a progressive bar of that sense, has been banned from attending that place any longer, as it is the third time, according to the owner of the XY bar, that she has been kicked out of the establishment. For those that don't know, we'll just give you a quick synopsis, and then I'll read you some of the responses that she made on social media and some of the other Sedgwick County commissioners as well, but apparently had gone to an event, had a few drinks, was already um, a little bit alcohol-endeavored when she went to the XY bar, which it was loud and crowded. She tried to talk to the black server, uh, tried to ask what the black server's name was. She didn't want to give her the name, so Lacey Cruz ended up coming up with a name that, the, according to the black server and waitress, said was a racial slurred name that she had given her and when they got into it a little bit she was escorted out of the building and has been fully banned from the xy bar because of the um because of how she had presented herself and the scene that she had caused it was the third strike on her from being kicked out of the establishment apparently there's been other times where she had gotten so um uh, enjoying of the adult beverages that they had to carry her out, which to me, I mean, if you want to party that hard, all the power to you. I think you're in your 40s, or not 40s, but in your 30s, mid-30s, late 30s. I mean, I'm 33. It's time to, I guess, grow up a little bit, but maybe you're working out some demons. Not really sure. Not my problem. Not my story. You know, it's your personal life, and you can do whatever you want to. Not criticizing or judging in any way, shape, or form there, but it apparently has not been the first time she's been kicked out of the venue, and now she has been labeled as the left-wing progressive hack racist. For coming up with a name for the black waitress that was not the actual name of the waitress and was taken as a racial slur in some way, shape, or form. It goes even further, though, because afterwards they wanted to meet out off-site to meet somewhere else to converse and talk about the issue to try and handle it, to try and, you know, just calm the water, just make everybody all happy. And apparently it did not go as well there either. As it escalated, they agreed to disagree when the waitress says that she was being belligerent and a racist, and she said, no, I'm not being a racist. And, of course, the racial terms. So here's my question. Progressives and liberals and Democrats, how does it feel to have the terms thrown back at you when you're like, oh, wait a second, what? Now, I don't remember what the name was. doesn't really matter what the name was, but I don't know why you would come up with just a random name for somebody. That's a little weird, unless you're intoxicated from the adult beverages. But how does it feel to have the term racist thrown at you because you, you know, think that you're being funny or because you think of whatever. I'm not saying anybody should be making racial jokes in any way, shape, or form. What I am saying, though, is that you guys are very loosey-goosey at calling Republicans and conservatives racist any time that politically we disagree with one of your stances or we have a certain stance that you feel is against a certain minority group. Or if we eat a taco, then we're culturally appropriating. Or if we listen to music out of a certain way. Or if our little daughters dress up in a Halloween costume then we're culturally appropriating and we're racist and we're being bigoted and we're closed-minded against the culture and so on and so forth. So with you thinking that you're being funny or thinking that you're being great and then having that thrown at you, how does it feel? Because 
I'm not saying you particularly. I don't know you very much, Lacey Cruz. But your mindset, your political ideology, your progressive mindset, how does it feel to have the racist term thrown at you and now destroy your political career? Because you're done. You're over. You're not going to win re-election. And now even the Democrats that are in your district think that you're a raging racist who are who just can't control yourself because now you've been banned from the gay bar that's in your area. Here's her response according to KFTI's website. This was a post on her Facebook page. She also made a video that she took down shortly afterwards as well because she's made, which by the way, she's made other videos that she's put on social media and then she's taken them down as well because they were completely inappropriate, they were completely unprofessional, and there was no need for her to be doing those, where she's, uh, again, consumed with adult beverages, crying about certain issues, because, again, you've got things you need to work out in your personal life. That is not how an elected official uh, handles themselves. That is not how someone in the public limelight that makes decisions for the community should be handling themselves in any way, shape, or form, but that's what she does. Because she's got some growing up to do, I think. I guess typical on the left side of the aisle. Here's her uh, official post on Facebook. I take full responsibility for the miscommunication <laughs> in a loud bar. I take full responsibility for the miscommunication in a loud bar that happened this past weekend. I already sense contradictions in that first sentence. I take full responsibility, but it was a miscommunication in a loud bar to where she didn't hear what I said. Sounds like you're taking big responsibility. If I had handled the situation differently, all this could have been avoided, and it is important that I take ownership of my actions. I had personally reached out to the bartender to give my sincerest apologies. Yesterday, the owner requested I meet with him, and I welcomed the opportunity to have a discussion. I met with him in good faith at a location of his choosing. Unfortunately, I do not believe he ever intended to have a productive conversation. He accused me of supporting the white power movement and other blatant falsehoods. I don't know what his motives are, but I can only assume at this point, based on his actions, that they are not they they are not too genuine. As an elected official, on a personal level, I am always trying to learn more and do better. I appreciate the opportunity and to address this in an open and honest way, and would welcome further meaningful discussion. All right. Let's break this down, shall we? She says, unfortunately, I do not believe that he ever intended to have a productive conversation. So throwing him under the bus on that conversation, whether he did or did not, is irrelevant. I want to clarify here that this is a Democrat that's running a gay bar in downtown Wichita in that area with the XY bar who voted for Lacey Cruz and has now come out and said that as a Democrat, he's voting for Ryan Beatty because she's not electable material because he can't deal with her personally because of how she handles herself, which means that if she can't have her personal life in order, how is she going to have the county commission in order and the entire county decision making in order because of her personal life? This is a guy who's been a Democrat his entire life. He said he also disagreed with her her stance on the COVID-19 pandemic, obviously shutting down the bars and restaurants and destroying their economy and their industry. So she he already was a little upset with her on that level. But regardless of that, he's a Democrat. Who's now supporting Ryan Beatty? Because as a business guy and as someone who probably has his life together a little bit better, it's going to be well, uh, much better at being able to handle county issues and being able to stand on a personal level. Uh, as she even says, as an elected official on a personal level, I'm always trying to learn and do better. I don't know of another county commissioner. Maybe you can show me and give me a call at 316-721-8255. I don't know of another county commissioner that has been banned from 
certain establishments in the county, and it's had to been carried out drunk off their you-know-what because they can't handle their adult beverages and still try to represent themselves in a professional manner within the community. I don't know of any. So, yeah, do better. That's great. This should never have happened. This is shameful for the county commission. This is shameful for Lacey Cruz, and she's done. And most individuals, business owners in her district, are absolutely fed up and done because they don't like her policies of shutting them down and seeing them as non-essential. They also don't like her on how she represents herself. Ryan Beatty, again, as long as you continue to campaign and we get this message out and show just on the personal level how Lacey Cruz, God bless you, you need to work on cleaning up some of your demons in your closet. Ryan Beatty, you've won this election, my friend. And congratulations. We'll get you back on the show again here real soon. Uh, Cedric County Chairman David Dennis, along with the pro tem Sarah Lopez, has come out and made a statement yesterday saying, quote, the situation that occurred over the weekend involving a Cedric County commissioner is disappointing and disturbing. This demonstrates to us as elected officials that we must be ever present and ever vigilant to always have positive interactions with our community. As county commissioners, we represent more than a half a million people and work is every day at all hours. We do not take this responsibility lightly and we are a representative of the people and for the people. As a county commission, we adopted a code of ethical conduct in 2018 that she supported, I believe, by the way, adopted by the county, uh, the uh, Kansas County Commissioners Association that upholds six principles, which include under principle two, modeling decorum, respect for others and civility in all public relationships as an elected official. It is important that we as elected officials take responsibility for our mistakes and show leadership to you and our constituents. The citizens of Cedric County deserve elected leaders who model respectful behavior and professionalism to all who serve. That was... The official statement by both David Dennis and the other Democrat who's friends with Lacey Cruz, pro tem chairman, uh, Sarah Lopez. So there you have it. Lacey Cruz getting herself in a world of hurt again. Now, this has been an ongoing buildup that's finally hit to this level. As we mentioned, she's made other comments. She's done other things. I mean, she was the one during the COVID-19 pandemic that plays in her band that was sitting at one of the pubs and bars or wherever she plays at without a mask on while she's the one advocating for mask mandates. And not only mask mandates, but the quote-unquote snitch line, if you remember that during the COVID pandemic, that said that we need to be calling and ratting out businesses and establishments that don't follow COVID-19 protocol by the limitations on who can come in wearing the masks, so on and so forth, while she's sitting there having time without her mask with backyard bonfires and playing with her band in these set establishments that she's trying to shut down is not essential. She's had a lot of hypocrisy on the political front. She's been a very progressive individual who's now had her own policies thrown back in her face. And she can't handle it, which is why she's probably acting out like the child that most progressives are on the other side of the aisle. Your thoughts, 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. Do you think that this is over? Do you think she's done on the county commission? And do you think Ryan Beatty's going to have an easy election in that district once they realize what the heck's really going on here? But the Democrats, business owner Democrats in that district starting to turn on her I find kind of comical, honestly. But, I mean, all the prowers to her thoughts and prayers to her because she obviously needs to work out some stuff if she has to go into an establishment all liquored up and cause a scene. Whether you said something or not doesn't matter. Every time you step out your front door, you are a public... You are in public office. You are in the public light. And people will be looking at you on how you present yourself in the general public. 
I'm in radio and I know that. I'm not even an elected official, but you always have to have that mindset when you go into public because you never know who's going to see you out there doing crazy stuff. Back after this here on Candace Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. talking again with the AARP, whether it's the Fraud Watch Network, Retirement Calculator, getting involved in the community. Make sure to check them out online, aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Also find them and follow them on their social media as well. And Glenda's on the line with us this week. Glenda, how are you today? I am doing well. So good to be with you today. Always good to chat with you. We talk a lot about the Fraud Watch Network as there's a lot of scams and frauds that happen every day all the time, and it's heartbreaking and unfortunate. But let's talk about the ones that are probably the most annoying for sure, which are the ones that you get on your phone all the time, or they've really updated a lot of their technology where it looks like even someone local is trying to call you with your local area code. But if you're getting these scam calls, how could we try to prevent this from scamming you or at least annoying you even? Absolutely. There are calls that appear to be someone that you know. And, you know, we, what we really need to realize is that we have um, superpower in order to combat these calls because it's the most effective way to avoid scam calls is to let them go to your answering machine or to your voicemail and let that screen it for you. Uh, it's a power that we all have, but unfortunately, uh, it's not one that we use very often. Yeah, that is very true. Talk about some of the ways that we can identify if it's a scam call, and if we do receive them, what do you do about it? Well, what one thing that you can do is that, um, again, as you say, since we can't um, rely on our caller ID, our best defense is to let them go to um, the voicemail or to the machine. For um, just a, a little bit of information, the Federal Trade Commission data from last year showed that the telephone was the source for more than one-third of the reported scams that happened. And out of those, uh, nearly $700 million uh, were, uh, were lost, was lost with a medium of about $1,200 per person. So that's quite a bit. So anyway, what this gives you is once you, if you screen the call, it gives you that opportunity to listen to the message. You can listen to it with intent, and you can then take the time to consider the validity of it, and how you really want to respond or if you do not. So that gives you that superpower uh, that helps you to uh, protect you from the IRS-type scams, Medicare scams, or the grandparent scams, or any of those other dozens of imposters that come online you know, with us. So that really helps us to um, um, be able to avoid those by just letting them go to voicemail and uh, being able to uh, really avoid them and Block them all out from from getting close to us or getting becoming a part of us. Yeah, that is very true. That's a great way. Yeah. yeah, like you yeah. said, just let it go to that voicemail and you can screen it because then, as well, even if they give a phone number for maybe a callback, then you can reference that and cross-check it to maybe researching the company or whoever's trying to contact you to make sure that that's a valid phone number, correct? That's correct. That's correct. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. I love that. How many scam calls? I mean, is that the predominant way that many scammers try and get a hold of individuals is by calling? Well, it's about one-third of the reported uh, scam, scams that happen happen over the phone as one of the single sources of um, wow. of being able to contact people. Yes. Yeah. How yes. scary. So, yeah. So what? it's another way for us to just be a fraud fighter, right? 
mm-hmm. uh, by spotting the scam uh, and, you know, knowing, listening to the voicemail, knowing it and not having to react it. And then that way, hopefully we can stop a scam. Amen to that. And yeah. we always want to, yes, always we want to rec- um, to ask, to share that we can always go to our Fraud Watch Network for all the free resources that we have at aarp.org slash Watch Network. And then to call our number for our specialists to help them if, you know, if you've been involved at 877-908-3360. I love it. Are they also able to call and report maybe one of the, the scam numbers that come, come into them frequently? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, kept, write that number down and absolutely report that specific number. How's good. that? Very good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, try to document them and record them so that way other people can be aware of those numbers that come in as well. Uh, Glenda, we got just about a minute or so left here, but talk about what else is going on with the AARP, of course, with all the Fraud Watch Network issues, but then with your live streams, your virtual events, your concerts. What else do you have going on? We have all of those going on, absolutely, and they can go to our aarp.org um, slash Kansas slash events to find out the specific events that's happening. We have a Friday evening concert coming up this Friday evening at 6.30, so there's a lot of good things that's happening. Uh, that if it's not this Friday evening, I'm sorry, but they, there will be one in um, at a couple of weeks. And so by just going on our page, we can find out exactly when they are. And uh, listen in and have a lot of good entertainment in the evening. And always going to our um, website and taking the opportunity to look for volunteers, the opportunity to volunteer. Yeah, there it is. Always good stuff. Go find them online, aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Also find them, follow them on their social media as well. Glenda, we always appreciate it. Enjoy the week, and let's do it again next week. Thank you. Take good care. Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. It is hour number two of Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 KQAM. Good Saturday morning to you, getting you up and moving for the day. One week away from Labor Day weekend. Are you already checked out? I know you are. It's been a hot, dry, long summer, and it's time for you to enjoy a little bit. Get out there. And now that we don't have triple-digit weather, then that's good news. I'm still recovering, by the way, from my incident last night with encountering a snake. Not okay, ma'am. Not okay. We'll tell you more about that story here in a little bit. Leo Delperdank, state representative, he'll be joining us here in just a few minutes as well as we kick off hour number two. All of it presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity. Make sure to check them out online at philscoins.com. They're open right now until 2.30 this afternoon. We'll have Phil back on the program here in a couple weeks as well. Just a programming reminder for you next week. I am out for Labor Day weekend, so enjoy the Labor Day holiday. And we'll be back at it again the following week, and it will be strapped in, buckled up, ready to go for election season as we'll have candidates running through here like Democrats through cash and federal government money. Ah, see that? Ah, see what we did? 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. All right, we have some calls online. We'll get to you in a second here. I want to set this up and tee it off so when Leo jumps on here in a minute. We can have some fun with this. But over this week, obviously, the big news has been the student loan forgiveness program. 
which I have to admit now, I feel like a complete idiot. So for those that don't know my story, and I've talked about it a little bit during our national broadcast throughout the week, but I am sitting on right now, right now at this moment, I am sitting on about forty-five to $48,000 in student loan debt. I made the, the, now this is being paid off. Let's backtrack a little bit. At one point, because of, you know, the wonderful, you know, rate of radio salaries when I first started in the radio broadcasting industry, I bounced back and forth because it started right about $30,000, but I was bouncing back and forth and putting one in forbearance while I'd pay on the minimum for one, not paying off the balance by any means, just paying the interest lower payments on there. And then I would switch them. And I would put the other one in forbearance, and I would pay just the minimum balance on the other one every single month. Well, eventually, they all racked up enough interest to where at one point, when we first moved here to Wichita about 9, 10 years ago, was it? It was 2015, so whatever that was, about seven years ago, I was sitting on $90,000 of student loan debt. $90,000. Now, I have done my due diligence to work my you-know-what off over the last seven years. And I've gone from $90,000 to about $45,000. That is from me taking my own personal responsibility of the stupid decisions I made back in the day to pay for that. Now, apparently I made another stupid decision because all of mine are private student loans, so therefore none of mine qualify for the federal student loan forgiveness program because uh, I take that back. I exactly have $10,000. Eight hundred dollars in a federal student loan, so maybe I'll get that one wiped off. I don't know. All the other ones are private student loans, so they don't qualify for the forgiveness program. But out of the ninety thousand dollars that I racked up during college, that I racked up at a broadcasting school, and then not paying on them and letting them rack up on interest, I have paid that down over the last seven years from ninety thousand dollars to forty-five thousand dollars, and I am still on the way to pay the rest of those off. I want them all paid off within the next couple of years, and I'm going to make it happen. But guess what? That responsibility falls on me. I took out the loan. I made the stupid decision to do that. I went out of state. So I, my student university, uh, the state university went up in cost for the out-of-state tuition. I took out the living expenses. I thought I was one of those stupid college kids that thought, you know what? I can just get a degree and I'll come back and it'll be super easy to pay off because everybody does this, right? It's not a big deal. We just pay it off as soon as you get done and it's going to be a piece of cake. I thought that. I was the dummy at that time, and boy did I learn, but I'm paying it off. It is my responsibility. I am not pawning it off to somebody else. However, Democrats feel like they can just buy off my generation by saying, hey, we'll give you the student loan forgiveness, and all of a sudden we'll just have a new voter base, which is the millennials, the new generation, which a lot of them are already Democrats. But my question to you today is, is it going to expand the Democrat voter base, or is it just going to rally the ones that are already there? Because I think that even though it is tough for some of us, do I have the fancy new car? No, I have my Dave Ramsey, what he calls the hoopty car. That's a piece of junk. But by golly, it is a paid off car where I don't have that payment on a car. So I can apply to that to the student loans to get those paid down. Do I have the fanciest of things? No, but I will once I pay them off because that's my priority. How many people still believe in that mindset of the personal responsibility to pay off your own damn debts as opposed to saying, you know what, we're just going to subsidize it into the federal government system to raise taxes, raise inflation, and just let the taxpayer compensate for this. So if you don't have any student loans or if you've worked hard and paid off your student loans, congratulations, you now have student loans that you get to pay off through the government system. Congratulations. And this is the winning argument for Democrats? 
Is it going to win anybody else over? Or is it only going to rally the base that feels like they're not responsible for their own debt? Now, I get it that the real estate market is not doing well for the younger generation. My generation, who's trying to be homeowners because they can't afford it. I get it. Whose fault is that? And how do we compensate for someone who has $100,000 in student loan debt? And why do you have that? And what degree is it? Again, I did the ultimate stupid of stupid of stupid. Not only did I get $30,000 that racked up to $100,000 in student loan debt, I went to the state university for two years, didn't go to my classes and dropped out and went to a broadcasting school. So all the student loan debt is paying off my learning how to drink uh, beer from a keg upside down for two years straight. I did run the college Republicans for a year, so I guess there was some benefit there, and I figured out what I wanted to do. But outside of that, I didn't even go to my classes. So you want to talk about stupid of stupid, that's this guy. But you know what? I'm paying it off because I'm paying off my own fault and my own damn responsibility, and I think we need to bring that mindset back. Your thoughts on this. Now, here's the thing. After the Biden administration has proposed this, I'm almost questionable on whether it's even going to work whether it's even going to be allowed. If you remember back in the end of June, at the same time we did the reversal of Roe v. Wade from the Supreme Court, they also made a decision against the Environmental Protection Agency, saying that the fourth branch of government, the administrative bureaucratic departments, are not able to make massively financial decisions for the nation without direct, specific congressional approval. Because who holds the power of the purse constitutionally? It's Congress, specifically the House of Representatives. So... Them pawning it off and allowing just these fourth branch of governments to just make all the decisions for us, which is what they've been doing. They make a mandate. They send it to the president. They sign it with an executive order with some type of bill. And then, boom, it's done. And Congress is completely irrelevant in the fact now. I don't think this is going to happen. I think the Supreme Court's going to stop this because the Department of Education cannot write a, a near $1 trillion bill to just wipe off federal government debt and subsidize it into the system and have the GDP absorb it through inflation and higher taxes without specific congressional approval. And right now, I don't think they have the votes for it. Maybe they do in the House with the Democrats and Nancy Pelosi running it. I highly doubt they have it in the U.S. Senate right now. And especially once we dominate in the November election, they're not going to have the votes for it at all. So I don't see this actually going through. But with the push at the federal level, now we have it at the statewide level. As according to the Topeka Capital Journal, Treasurer Lynn Rogers says that a group of current Democrat legislators at the state house have rolled out a plan during their news conference on Thursday this week where they say they have three pieces in their plan. Businesses can get tax credits if they pay off student loans of employees. Okay. Parents can get a $150 tax rebate for tuition, school supplies, books, and fees. <laughs> uh, that's like the teachers that have to invest the money into their classroom, right? Yeah. Well, well done, guys. I'm glad you're taking care of the teachers. And the deadline for contributions for Kansas Learning Quest to uh, 529 Education Savings Account would be extended into the next tax year. Trying to find ways to lower college tuition. Here's a thought, and I'm just throwing this out there. Here's a thought to lower college tuition. How about we don't raise college tuition rates just because there's less people enrolling into the university. I mean, that would be a thought. How about not having departments out there expanding their departments or creating new departments for five students that are interested in that ca in that class and then having to absorb it through the university's costs and expenses to build brand new buildings? How about... If you major in something, you don't spend the first two years of your university courses taking the same garbage and crap that you did in high school. 
Maybe if you major in something on day one, all of your classes are all that you major in, period, end of story. You don't have to take math again. You don't have to take English again. You don't have to take – I took the history of music because I had to have that elective. Why? That's one of those that I didn't show up to in class, by the way, because I was like, this is stupid, man, and I didn't, I didn't even show up. Why do you have to take those? If you truly, government, Democrats, elected officials, if you truly want to deal with the price of college, it's time to start cutting out the bureaucracy and cutting out the size of college. It is not mandated for you to go there. It shouldn't be mandated for you to take dumb classes that have nothing to do with your degree. If I major in political science, day one, I want poli-sci 101. I want international studies. I want the what other classes that are related to my degree. Nothing outside of that. Because the way they found it as well, you know what? We're not even going to get to your degree until you get to like year two or three of your college classes. Because we need to make sure that you're on the same standards as us for all the other basics. Uh Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Why do you think so many people are going to trade schools? Because they're tired of your crap. They're tired of the tenured professors that change their books up by a sentence and then have to resell it for $100 to buy that book just to go to your class. Screw you, man. We're not going to do that anymore. You really want to address college issues? That's how you address it. Not by trying to find rebates. Not by just wiping it off of the student loan debt and subsidizing it and absorbing it into the economy. Not by doing us all this other garbage. It's by actually addressing the issue that the bureaucracy and the government-run salaried employees of the universities are just reaping the benefits. The colleges and the government are working hand-in-hand to raise the tuition, to cause the higher prices, and then just saying, well, you can get a better college student loan. Don't worry about it. And then cutting out some of the degrees that actually don't do anything for you either. I mean, if I want to go and if I look, I'm thinking about going back and getting my theology degree once I pay off my current student loans. <laughs> once I get to those. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I'm interested. I want to go and I want to get my degree in uh, cooking. I want to be a chef Gordon Ramsay yelling at people in the kitchen because I think that would be awesome. And I have an interest in that. I want to get my certification in bartending. I have a lot of personal interests and I'm willing to go to college to do those things if I have the choice to do so. I don't want to be forced to say you need to take a cooking class if you're majoring to become a doctor. That's stupid. Why do we do that? But that's the way the system's there. And then instead of addressing those issues, the government's, well, it's too expensive. We'll just write it off and let the subsidized taxpayer take care of this stuff. To hell with you, man. We're over it. Let's get your thoughts. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? This is Frederick. Frederick, how are you, sir? I am fine. Now, um, I have a daughter that I graduated from Wichita State, and I know she's paying on her education. And I have a son that went to WTI, which is Wichita Technical Institute, and he got an associate's degree there. And I think he's still paying on his. Now, what's the difference between uh, one of my kids going to WTI and not and getting a say a conventional loan to go there, sure. and my daughter going and getting that uh, other loan to go to Wichita State? Because both of them now have very fine uh, jobs, and and WTI was a is a very wonderful school. Uh, he got his in uh, computer science or something like that. He got him a wonderful job in, in computer uh, science. Now, what's the difference? Uh, and also, Andy, I'm a, hell. I'm older than hell. What's the difference between say a government sponsored loan and a private one. It seems like 
a school loan should be a school loan. And I'll, I'll hang up and let you uh, let yeah. you try to explain because I'm I'm lost. Yeah, Thank well, Frederick, I appreciate that. So yeah, so WTI and Wichita State. I mean, one is a state run, a state funded, a state organized university like Wichita State University. It's Wichita State. It's run by the government, so they set the mandates. They do all this other garbage. It's overseen by there. Uh, WTI is a trade school. It is a technical school where you go. Now, I know they partner up on some stuff, and I'm glad that technical schools are starting to partner up with universities like that because, God forbid, we actually learn some traits that actually we could use in the real life. I think high schools need to do literacy classes and, like, home ec classes and auto shops to learn how to change a tire on the side of the road because while some people may be laughing at my braided mohawk right now, most of the people with my with my man bun and long hair with my generation don't know how to change the tire on the side of the road, which really brings down the masculinity that you're trying to pan off there of looking really cool. So I'm just throwing that out there. But there's a difference between the trade schools. That is a technical school. That is a private school, essentially, where you work with people in the industry and you learn the plumbing, you learn the the electrical. I went to a trade school for the broadcasting school, and I worked with people in radio and in TV to teach me how to do it. It's a private school that you pay to, you do your six to eight months, and then you get out and you start your career. A state university says, well, again, you have to have certain credits that the state acknowledges in order for you to say that you're a uh, that you're going to get your master's, you're going to get your bachelor's, you're going to get your whatever, that the state has to recognize that you've hit these certain criteria, and that's why they say you need to take an English class and all this other garbage before you get to your actual degree. So, yeah, there too. I mean, and look, if you go to become a doctor, I mean, I'm not saying that going to university is a bad thing. I'm saying that there are a lot of degrees that are worthless and that the system's entirely screwed up on how they actually format this entire system. So there's two separate entities there. The fact that they're starting to work together is a really good thing, but they're completely different. Now for the loans, the private loan first, the government loan one is insured by the federal government. It's a federal government loan. When I go to try and get a student loan for college, I go to, um, if you remember fan, uh, um, Sally May, that used to be the one, or some of those others that are actually from the government. I'm taking a loan out from the federal government, and then when I make my payments, it's being paid back to Sally May, for example, or they got bought out by Navient, Navient that uh, I make that payment to them that is a government organization, so I'm paying the government back with that interest rate. The private student loan is literally a private company like you would get from a private bank for a business loan or a personal loan or a, a mortgage loan or something to where I would go to a private company and take out that loan with them. Um, so it's really just a private or a federal government insured student loan. I thought I was being cool back in the day saying, screw the government. I'm going to get my private loans and all of mine are private loans because I did that. And now I'm sitting in there at a near 9% interest rate on a $25,000 student loan payment. Two of those, by the way. Um, that are right around six to eight percent, nine percent right now. So yeah, those are the big differences. If that uh, wow. makes any sense, yeah. Wow. Um, okay. You know what? After this is all said and done, you're going to have half the country that's going to be saying yes, the other half is going to be saying no, and the other half, if there is another half of two halves, saying I'm getting screwed on this whole damn deal. I'm in that third category. Uh, I'm in that third category. Frederick, I appreciate it. I want to sneak another phone call in here. Uh, but you're right. It is a messed up system, and we could do this in a way better streamlined fashion to where you know, we could actually truly give individuals an opportunity to get an education and to learn things and to better themselves. 
without taking advantage of them. And look, it's all the long-term game of a socialist utopia, centralizing power, centralizing education, and then saying they're taking care of you when they're screwing everybody at the end of it. Line number two here. Good morning. Who's this? Hi, this is Kurt. Kurt, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, and you? I live in the dream, my friend. <laughs> hey, I think, you know, I, I, I hopefully this doesn't go through, but if it does, I think the schools need to pay for it in some way. Either, you know, let's cut the government grants, and say, okay, you know, we're going to pay for this loan forgiveness by government grants. You know, you're not going to get your grants for 10 years or whatever. Or move, uh, you know, some of these schools have large endowments. You know, make them make the loan. Take their endowment, make the loans, and they can manage it. And maybe, you know, they would figure out that, you know, tuition or whatever is too high. Or yeah. it might, you know, I just... I just think it needs to move to the schools and away from the government. That's an idea. Well, if it is going to a state university, for example, I guess it's really one and the same because the state governments or the state universities still get so many grants from the federal government. So you're right. Maybe they just retract them and say you're not going to get as many of those this year uh, to try and compensate for this. That's an interesting idea. I'm sure the universities and the teachers unions are going to lose their minds and all the tenured professors. But uh, you're right. Sure. I, I think there is a way that we could try and keep it limited for the damage within the Department of Education and the university system itself without spreading out to every taxpayer across the nation. I doubt they're going to do that, but I think that's at least an idea. Well, or force them to use their endowment money for, you know, these yeah. loans, you know, make them, you know, these, these some of these schools, these endowments grow and grow and grow and, you know, and they just, I think, you know, some of the responsibilities go back on the schools. Yeah, that's true. Uh, maybe we should take it out of the athletic departments. What do you think? I mean, the athletic departments make bank with paying multi-million dollar contracts for their head football coaches. I mean, that's cool, but we're there to get an education, and uh, maybe we should right. just take some of that. What do you think? Well, that's a possibility. Hey, there we go. They don't like that either. The university, man, those athletic no. departments, they're, they're, they're like their own world within the university system. <laughs> So there it is. Well, well, anyway. Hey, I appreciate it. That's a good idea. I love it. I think that's a way that we could try to at least isolate it within the education system uh, and try and keep it from going out to the rest of them. So, Kirk, I appreciate that very much, my friend. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TACOS. Take a break here. I want to get your thoughts more on the student loan forgiveness. How do we isolate this? How do we contain it? As you know, the Department of Education at the federal level is not about actual education. It's just about the money. Prime example of that was when they interviewed Betsy DeVos for the head of that. And they didn't ask about her qualifications to come up with a curriculum. They asked her if she's capable of handling a multi-billion dollar bank account that is the Department of Education. That was her questioning during her interview process. You've been a business owner, but can you really handle this big of a bank account? Because that's all we care about is the money, money, money. So writing this off, you know they're going to compensate for it somewhere. Do you think the government's going to stop spending about $500 billion less? <laughs> That's funny, right back here on Kansas Talk. All right, we went a little long in that segment. Top of the bottom of the hour news right around the corner here. When we come back, State Representative Leo Delperding will get his thoughts on the student loan forgiveness. We'll get ready for election season. State legislative session of 2023. What's on the slate? we got a lot of things to talk about. We'll do all that right around the corner to wrap up the program here on the home stretch. Plus, I want to get more of your phone calls as we continue to talk about student loan forgiveness right here on Kansas Talk. Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here.
It's Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program on the home stretch here. Last half hour of the program. Good golly, it flies right on by. When you get all angry and stuff, it flies right on by, I'm telling you. The weekend with Michael Brown right around the corner here on KQAM. I've mentioned before, he's a good guy out of, based out of Denver, Colorado and 630 KHAL. Met him a few times uh, doing my radio stint in Denver. But looking forward to chatting and hearing with him coming up in a little bit. But 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. And let's go into kind of some election coverage. It's time to meet the candidate. The government works for us, not the other way around. Elections 2022. Elections 2022 here on Kansas Talk. And happy to have in the program here, District Number 94, State Representative Leo Delperdang. Leo, what's going on, sir? Hey, good morning, Andy. It's always good to be on here with you. Good morning to you. All right, so there's a lot of things to talk about. The most important one, though, of course, is how I started off the show at the very beginning. I need some assistance. You need some. We know you need some assistance. Uh, usually, usually <laughs> I do. How do you I need? Do you need some tuition reimbursement? Andy? I need some tuition reimbursement. <laughs> Sounds that like is, you could use some of that. That's an issue as well. I almost stepped on a snake last night barefoot in my front yard. Oh, shouldn't do that. No, no. <laughs> I was going out. It was dark. I was going to turn off the sprinkler, and I walked out there, and right along the little bricks there where we had the garden was this snake. Didn't see it until my foot was literally two inches from now, it. No, it wasn't a garden worm or anything like that. Or no, no, it was worm. a good, it was, it was a it good. It was six like, foot long. It was, it, yeah. <laughs> now, you know, I, I don't know if I do this, number one phobia, the only thing I am absolutely terrified of is snakes uh mine is arachnophobia i mm. cannot handle the spiders but snake okay. is, snakes are a first a real close second yeah there. i can't do it it's, so uh, apparently the easy. snake spray that i had around the yard did not work mm-hmm. and now i know that i need to carry my gun when i walk outside oh for this poor little garden worm i'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> horrible anyways uh, a lot of things to talk about in the last half hour we kind of laid out the student loan forgiveness plan the federal government wanting to subsidize ten thousand dollars a person mm-hmm. there i've heard any number between 300 billion to a trillion dollars mm-hmm. that this is going to cost the federal government uh now democrats here in the state of course, working on their own plan, trying to do some college affordability relief programs here in the state that include, let me bring this back up again here, businesses getting a tax credit if they pay for student loans, parents getting a $150 tax rebate. I mean, that's, whew. Think about that's, that. That's well, going to cover like one of the books that the professors you know, charge. That's what I was going to yeah. say. The amount of the tu- school tuition cost per semester, what's <laughs> 150 bucks and a credit do for you? Not a whole yeah. bunch. Thank you. So. Uh, you know, I have a $20,000 student loan. Thank you for that $150. You guys exactly. are awesome. Uh, and then deadlines for contributions for Candace Learning Quest 529 Education Savings Account would be extended. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that would do to it, but now your the five two nines—that's that's over a long period of time. Um, I will say, uh, on my two kids, we started a a five twenty nine on one, but we started a different one back when they were first born. So when they mm. both graduated high school, we had enough money there to pay for their college, and I gave them to them. But I told them both, I put it in a card. Here's the check for it, and I said, you can either spend this on college and you can sit back and not work, or you can go to college, you can work your way through like everybody else, and here's this big amount of money that could help you for a down payment on a house or starting a business or doing something mm. else. Both cases, they never touch the money. For college, really? For college, they work their way through. Neither one ever had a minimum wage job. That's the other part that's intriguing. My mm. oldest, he ended up busting his rear. He went to work for originally UPS in their warehouse during college, 
ended up moving over to I believe Estes Truck Lines. Okay. Worked weird hours, but he made some really good money. Paid all of his college all the way through. Wow. My youngest, he he during high school went and got his CMA uh, or CNA. I'm sorry, CNA certified nurse assistant certification. Went in, started working nursing homes, making yeah close to fifteen bucks an hour. Thought, hey, I'm going to take this another step. He went back and got his CMA, which is a medical assistant, which allows him to dispense drugs and stuff within the medical environment. Sure. Made some good money all the way through undergrad. Interesting. Now, in the case of him, or both of them, neither one had any debt whatsoever when they graduated undergraduate school. Now, the youngest one, he's taking on a little now, but he is almost ready to graduate medical school. He went on for the full-fledged in a doc, but at least in that... I'm thinking he's going to make pretty decent money to be able to pay back some student loans. But he used his high school or the money we gave him at high school graduation going through med school. The other one used it as down payment on a house. I feel more so, like an idiot now with what I did. No, it's not I feel that. More like it's an a, idiot. <laughs> what I'm getting at is people people make choices in life. Yeah. Uh, the, one of the weirdest letters I got was from an individual who now lives in Kansas went to school at, I believe, UCLA or Berkeley or something like that out in California, and in the letter even said, I went out there and I got me a liberal arts degree. Well, when I got done, I can't find a job, so I moved back home with my parents, and I want to know what you are going to do to pay this thing off. Yeah. And I just thought, I ain't going to do a damn thing. Wow. You made your choice. You came out with That's your liberal you arts received. degree. Wow. Yeah. That mentality drives me wild. I mean, I told you my side, I said the story on the radio. I mean, with mine, that is, that never has come across my mind of, you know what? I need, so, I need just to go away and someone else to take care of this. Never crossed my mind. Yeah. I we, don't understand that mentality. Yeah. We all make choices in life. I mean, I've owned businesses here in Wichita. Um, you take a risk. Hopefully there's a reward if you do things right. But yeah. if not, you take the risk and you got to be willing for the failure side, too. Do you think that we've gone away from that mindset, especially for student loans? Like if you take a business loan out, if you take a personal loan out to try and consolidate debts or to do something, it, you realize, you know what? It's an investment. It is a risk because if I don't grow my business to the point where I can pay this back, mm -hmm. I'm in a world of hurt. I shut down my business. I file bankruptcy or whatever. You realize that risk when you go into that, when you think about those loans. That's why even when you get a, a personal loan bank, a bank loan, they give you that three-day right of rescission where you could drop mm -hmm. out at any time because they want you to understand the risk. Do you think that people have that same thought going into a student loan, or is it just, well, I'm, it's just normal, it's accepted, that's just what I have to do, and it's just not even a second thought? I think it's more any anymore. I think it's just something I'm expected to do. But I look at what is the difference between a business loan and an education loan? Either one, you're trying to, education loan, you're trying to make yourself more marketable. Hopefully you can get into a career field that pays you a lot more than minimum wage. And you think about that, what is minimum wage? It's the minimum amount I'm willing to pay you for almost essentially the minimum amount of talents that you might bring. Sure. And there's so much you can do to upgrade yourself. Um, whether it be education or you go get a business loan and you're starting a business, it's the same scenario. Well, the difference is that the government doesn't even care if you have any assets to validate the twenty, thirty thousand dollars they're taking out on the loan. If you go and try and get a business loan, you have to have assets that actually right. back it up to where they can take that stuff if they want. So that's the other question is why are we just willy nilly handing out, you know what? Oh, you're going to college, here's fifty thousand dollars for mm -hmm. you to go do that with no backing or asset or anything to validate us handing out this amount of money. 
why are we doing that? Right. But same token, I would say everybody's got to start somewhere. When, sure. when I started my first business, I scraped trying to get backing and money and so forth. Sure. But I made dang sure everything was repaid. Yeah. And the second business I started, it was pretty easy because you had the credit ratings then. I tried to work in college, but I was drinking way too many adult beverages. <laughs> and I was like, this is not working out. So uh, I, I don't know how to comment on that one. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, what, but I can, well, maybe, you know what, maybe I can say that I graduated top of my class like Joe Biden. Yeah, right. I will say both myself, my wife uh, have both pulled multiple degrees through the years. My kids have both pull, pulled their degrees. Uh, I have never asked anybody else for the help on paying it. It was something we made the choice, we paid the money, and yeah. we took care of. But now why do I have to go pay for somebody else who decided I want to go pull a liberal arts degree in California right. on a federal loan and then come back to Kansas because I can't find a job? Do you think this is going to be an issue in the new legislative session of 2023? Is this going to be something? Obviously, Democrats have a plan. They're going to try and propose it. It's going to be after election season, so it won't be as popular then. Right. But is this going to be a um, a point of discussion when you get back up there? I'm sure it will be. I, I, there's no doubt in my mind. You know, But then it's like anything else. It, it could be the, the best plan that we've got out there, and maybe a Republican even would put a solution together like you had mentioned earlier but then we'll end up with our illustrious governor trying to take all the credit for it too so yeah. you got to really watch what's going on from that perspective no that is very true let's talk about some election stuff for a second you're getting ready to get on the campaign trail things yes. happening um talk about first off the redistricting kind of new districts around many different seats around the area mm -hmm. but yours changed a little bit too as well mine changed a little bit yeah you're, there there's new districts all over the place there was only i think one that we actually consolidated a couple of people together and it was just because of the demographics of it and the size and location but I lost a little bit of territory down along Kellogg, 119th and Kellogg approximately, okay. because for two reasons, uh, Burkham, Mr. Burkamp or Brian Burkamp, who lives south of my district, he's more out in the rural territory, so he, he needed to pick up more people. So I understood that. They gave a little slice of mine to him, okay. but at the same time, my district grew in population with new houses, new people moving in there. So... Uh, I've got a little work to do with where the new area is that I've picked up, so to speak. Okay. Where's um, the new area at? New area is really, I've always had it along 135th Street, all the way from, I'm going to say the new area from 21st North down to Kellogg, essentially. Okay. But there's a whole bunch of new housing in there. So mm. I didn't really pick up new area, but my existing area, because I, I currently go out to 167th Street West, but there's a whole bunch of new houses. There's a whole bunch of new residents. And I figure I'm going to tap my favorite DJ here, and he and I will go walk neighborhoods, and we'll just start meeting people. We'll be knocking on doors. So what you're saying is that you are so good as a state rep that your district grew because people wanted to go to that area. Oh, that's absolutely you the know, That's there. exactly what's going on. That's, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's, that's what it. we're going to roll with on that one. I there love it. There you go. Uh, the makeup of the legislature, obviously we're not into the election yet, but the makeup of it, it went more conservative last round. I'm feeling it's going to go more conservative this round as well. Even after some of the Republican primaries across the state, mm -hmm. we saw some more conservative candidates beat out some rhinos again in the state. Are you optimistic for this new session? Yeah, we've got currently, I believe, 86 seats on the Republican side. Now, not all 86 of those are truly conservative individuals. We've sure. got a few rhinos still up there. They're lingering but still. But I will say, but a lot of those who we had question about have actually announced they are retiring this this year. Mm. So they're not even running again. So there's going to be some interesting changes on those seats. 
And there's been a couple of them that were not necessarily going to retire, but they were more of the, the rhino to moderate status who ended up with opponents in the primaries. And the more conservative people kind of grabbed some of those seats, too, on Interesting. the primary. Yeah. So, Do you see, being an elected official, uh, and I asked this question to Derek Schmidt uh, a week or so ago when we interviewed him running for governor, about unity within the Republican Party, just working together, trying to run as a face, a single voice of a Republicans. Do we see that in the state right now? Do we see some unity? I've got some concerns, and I okay. really do. And here's what, I'll, since you mentioned Derek Schmidt, uh, I'll put it out here, love the guy to death. And I say that because... Uh, over the years, I've been up in the House for six years, and many times I have run after him as the Attorney General mm -hmm. to go for questions or I need help on this subject, et cetera. 100% of the time, the guy has been there. He's always been responsive. He's there. I've got access to him. I've got personal phone numbers. It's just been That's all great. good. Um, he is now, as everybody knows, running against... Our existing governor, Laura Kelly. She who must not be named. Yes, yes. <laughs> but we're watching the polls, and the polls are running kind of half and half at this point. I mean, he's a little bit ahead, but not massively. Well, then in comes the individual who was mm -hmm. a Republican, decided, I'm going to move over to independent status, yep. and signs up to run. All that did is essentially split the votes on the Republican side. And in my opinion, if something doesn't become of it or a change, it probably guaranteed Laura Kelly another four years. So don't tell me that we're unified as a body when you got people doing that. It, it's really disheartening. Yeah, that is a great point. Uh, and because they're polling, what, the independents polling anywhere between like, what, two to four points it's right not, now? Yeah, it's not very many, but let's, let's just assume. But if it's a two-point margin right now, that's a big deal. Yeah, and let's assume if prior to, let's say that Derek Schmidt had 55, Laura Kelly 45 type sure. of thing. Pretty close, and there's some room for error in there. But you get another independent that comes in that takes 5 or 10% of that. It's not a big number, yeah. but it changes things. It does. That is a big concern. I'm glad you mentioned that. That is a. Uh, it, it, there's always been the third parties, the libertarian, the independent, the Constitution Party, whatever else. But I've always yeah. said, I mean, kudos. I'm glad you're sticking to your guns and believing on your stances. We have to bring those ideas back into the party where the vast majority of those people believe in those values. Yeah. Let's clean up the party internally instead of branching out and dividing ourselves because uh, it's, what did Benjamin Franklin say back in the day? We can all hang together or we can hang separately. That's right. And and really, it's, I, I'm not say, speaking negatively on the independents or on affiliateds. I, sure. I, they've got their place. I fully respect that. But to have an individual who for years has been in the Senate, et cetera, as a Republican, and mm -hmm. he switched specifically because of to a vendetta this. against Derek Schmidt, that is wrong no matter how you look at it. A great point. Let's take a break here real quick. It's State Representative Leo Delperdang. Lots of stuff going into election season. To put things into perspective for you, we'll continue this conversation when we come back as well. Plus, we'll talk about some other priorities going into session 2023. What could we see? And are you ready to cast your ballot in the November election? It's midterm elections. It's election coverage right here on Kansas Talk, right here on the Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. back into the program last few minutes of the show as we wrap up today for another kansas talk episode reminder for you i will not be here live next week we'll have a best of program for our labor day weekend 
as I will be out of town. We'll be actually leaving for a couple of days. You'll hear some best ups for the Voice of Reason, our national broadcast during the week as well, as we um, enjoy not only Labor Day weekend, but enjoy Mrs. Voice of Reason and I's 10-year anniversary. I know, craziness. So uh, that'll be next week. Get ready for that one. Happy Labor Day to you, and we'll be back at it the week after that. Ready to go, strapped in, and ready to rock and roll for election season. Right now, we're hanging out with State Representative Leo Delperdang for the last few minutes of the program. Let's talk about priorities for legislative session 2023. Outside of the student loan thing Democrats are going to try and push, what else could we see up there? Well, what's the what's the priorities? What is on the uh, it's on the back burner, ready to rock and roll as soon as we get there? Well, there's a bunch of things on the back burner. Um, there's a few things I've been working on over the summer yeah. months too. Uh, been having regular calls and meetings on what we're calling H2H. Okay. H2 is hydrogen. Mm-hmm. Um, there is $1.2 billion, that's billion with a B, in federal grants available to a state that can step up to help with hydrogen production. Now, why do we need hydrogen production? Well, everybody knows electric cars are coming, right? Electric vehicles is being pushed. Apparently, we're going to build batteries for them we're here gonna, in the state. Yeah, hmm. that's the other part of it there. But... The way to keep these things off the grid is through a technology known as fuel cells. Fuel Mm -hmm. cells produce electricity that can run the electric cars, but they are powered by hydrogen. And they're a green technology in the sense of I put hydrogen in and it mixes with oxygen molecules, produces electricity, and the output is H2O, which is water. Water, right. So it's a clean technology there. That's cool. And as my fuel cell runs empty, I can eventually, with an infrastructure there, you can pull into a hydrogen station instead of a gas station, fill up your tank, head on down the road. So there's some neat technology coming out there. Uh, it's, It's a few years down the road, but we're working diligently on it. Uh, Kansas is uniquely positioned. We've got old abandoned salt mines. We've got old abandoned uh, gas wells that we could use for massive amounts of storage. We've already got fertilizer plants that are producing anhydrous ammonia. Well, while that's kind of a nasty stuff, you don't want to breathe in too much. Right. That is actually H3N. So three parts hydrogen, one part nitrogen. Okay. So we're already doing some of this hydrogen work there. Wow. And through technology known as electrolysis, which we can get through some clean energy to make happen, uh, we can actually start putting out hydrogen production there. That's amazing. And there's just a handful of states. Oklahoma's going aggressively after it. Arkansas is. Missouri is. But Kansas is the kind of the unique one with a lot of storage facilities. That are so, ready to go for it. So how efficient is this nitrogen? I mean, I know I've heard of it, but yeah. like you said, it hasn't been kind of a main focal point of conversation. No, lately. it really so isn't. Is it um, a is it a pretty efficient uh, energy yeah, it's source? A, it's a high energy content. Okay. Um, hydrogen is the most abundant right. source throughout the universe. I mean, that's what powers the sun, so to speak. Exactly. And the neat part is when you burn it and you put it back together, it comes into as water. And essentially, water can be used to split apart again through electrolysis and grab the hydrogen. Why has this not been the main focal point of attention here? I mean, we're talking about all these green new energies. Where Mm -hmm. has this conversation been? It's been going on, but it's technology, and the technology's finally starting to come into play. And we've got some really big corporate players who are stepping up saying, we want to be part of this. So it's going to take some investment to make this happen, but it's there. And we are moving forward with it. It's something I've been working on for quite a while. That so. sounds really cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously, the green new stuff's going to happen. And I'm all about green energy when it's not 
just forced upon us by the federal Correct. government. Correct. But when stuff's efficient and we find better ways to do things, yeah. that sounds like an amazing opportunity. And that's where I've said along, you know, when it comes to electric vehicles, lithium is not the answer. If you look at the mm. how non-clean that is as far as mining it and putting it yeah, together how hard it is to get manufacturing, it. yeah. But there are some other technologies out there that we can make this thing happen. I'm ready for a helium car. A helium car. Maybe we can That'd talk. Make you talk funny, yeah, I was going to say, if you get rear-ended, then you get out and you're going to sound like an angry Mickey Mouse. Yeah. It'll be pretty fantastic. Helium's a little different. We're kind of running. <laughs> we're getting shortages on the, on helium now. So interesting. Well, that's yeah. a good. That's a good new one. We got about 45 seconds left here, um, but that is a big focus. Hopefully, we can advance with that one a little bit. What else do you have going on? Um, currently sitting on transportation. We've had some things going on there. Uh, I do want to just throw this out that. Uh, Previously on your show, we talked about a couple of bills I ran. One was uh, due to a guy by the name of Richard Martinez who bought a Corvette out of Indiana, brought it into the state, and due to restoration work, and the VIN number had been removed for repairs, put back on properly, documented all that. The Highway Patrol seized the vehicle, wanted to crush it as contraband. We've got that vehicle back to him. We had some laws changed that, you know, allow for this on antique vehicles. And it was one week ago that it finished up the court case, and he's wow. got his vehicle. You finally got it. I would have cried if that antique vehicle got uh, got yeah. wrecked. That yeah. would have been devastating. Leo Delperdang, state representative for District Number 94. Good to talk to you, my friend. Good luck with the election season coming up here. We'll be talking again real soon, and let's have a big, productive legislative year. Yep, and thank you for having me again, Andy. Always a pleasure. We'll be back at it again here in a couple weeks. Happy Labor Day weekend to you. We won't be here next week, but we'll be back on The Voice of Reason on Monday for your national broadcast. Until then, have a great weekend. We'll see you on the radio.